Hello, everyone, and welcome to Plastic Possibilities, a podcast produced by Plastics Today. I'm Rick Lingle, Senior Technical Editor. Today, we're going to drill down into a topic that combines two major hot trends, sustainability and flexible packaging. It helps guide us through a complex, fast-changing landscape where these two trends converge is longtime sustainable packaging expert Robert Bob Lilienfeld. Bob will provide clarity in a murky green market full of promise and options and guide us to viable, innovative, sustainable materials that represent the leading edge of how flexible packaging can contribute to a circular economy. Bob, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you join us. Thanks, Rick. It's always good to spend a little time with you. Well, let's kick things off by tapping into an early part of your environmentally centered career uh, back in your Use Less Stuff website, where you had researched and published a database report that measured packaging efficiency. Can you kind of summarize that report and especially the findings regarding flexible packaging? Sure. Um, Well, it's actually a report I've done three times over the last 25 years or so. Um, And what I did is a a market basket approach to packaging by looking at what the the USDA uh, and and, uh, the Commerce Department call the product market basket of what typical products consumers bought. Uh, I took that market basket and looked at each category. So let's say yogurt, um, and then picked the top five or six uh, brands in the category, um, pulled all their packaging, and did an analysis of the packaging for all those 64 categories that compared um, the differences between, let's say, uh, rigid containers and flexible containers, glass versus plastic versus metal, uh, and uh, formulaically looked at how much packaging it took to both deliver uh, the product in question, but also how much waste was created. So packaging that was highly recycled got credit for recyclability, and packaging that wasn't highly recycled obviously didn't. Um, And the interesting finding was, um, even if flexible packaging isn't recycled, um, it is so light that um, there is no amount of recyclability, let's say, (laughs) that can offset the the strength-to-weight ratio of flexible packaging. So, for example, in order for even steel to to catch up, you'd have to recycle steel at a rate of about 110%, which we know is impossible. In, in order to look at the amount of, of waste that gets generated by a steel can versus a flexible package. Great insight. It sounds like uh, flexible packaging has been sort of a superstar in sustainability as far as efficiency for years, but now the, the landscape has changed. So for many of these years, flexible packaging was, of course, single use, except in isolated instances where brands enlisted the invaluable help of upcyclers like TerraCycle which helped provide the brands an out and make the unrecyclable recyclable. Upcyclers have done a tremendous job of good over the years, but technical advances such as monolayer film structures enable flexible packaging that can be made recyclable directly through more conventional stream. And that's good news for all of us. So what are the most important sustainable packaging trends today? And where does flexible packaging fit in? Um, the two most important trends um, that impact flexible packaging um, Im- impact basically all food packaging, for example. Um, the first is um, whether or not that package is actually recyclable 
as defined by uh, the APR and uh, the Sustainable Packaging Council. And the other is the percentage of PCR that's used in the package. Uh, th those two drivers are, are basically where virtually all packaging is going today. And there are some other things that'll make a difference down the road. Um, uh, potentially compostability. Um, I'm not a big fan of that, as you know, but but also uh, the other thing that I remind uh, my clients is that there are biopolymers today that they can consider using, uh, such as bio poly, uh, polyethylene or biopolypropylene, um, and th those should be part of the overall mix of, and portfolio that flexible packaging producers and users are looking at. I guess the options for brands can go in all sorts of directions, even within the use of flexible packaging. And I thought what we could do is talk about some of the uh, things going on now in at the frontier of flexible packaging sustainability. I think you've referenced a couple of them. Can you just give a broad stroke of what you're seeing with some of these uh, packaging materials with recyclability, uh, bioplastics, and dare I bring it up, compostability? that you could comment on briefly before we get into a little more specifics? Sure. Um, well, first of all, I wanna say that it, what's interesting is that the flexible packaging industry is a victim of its own success. Uh, 25 years ago, when I started talking about the, the value of flexible, it was really about a source reduction. And as uh, the problem is, is that as flexible packaging got more and more popular, it also got more and more visible. Um, so it's one thing to talk about source reduction when you look or you, somebody takes a photo of what they see in a landfill um, and there's very little flexible packaging. It, it, it's another story when all of a sudden you see a lot of flexible packaging in, in your uh, trash cans or in pictures of um, uh, landfills or, or pictures of what's lying around on beaches or in the oceans. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, what was at one time a huge benefit is now perceived as, as a huge negative. Uh, so from, the, from that perspective, the, the, the packaging industry is, is moving in the direction of uh, being more recyclable. And what I mean by that in flexible terms is probably monolayer or uh, single material use. Um, right now, that's the, the, the primary way that you ought to be going if you're in the flexible business. The, the real issue is not the potential, it's the reality. And, and what I mean by now, that is, you start hearing the term today of in-store recyclable, which is, which is the truth, because for all intents and purposes, um, flexible packaging is not really recyclable through, um, through uh, recycling bins at home. So, you have, on the one hand, people put a, putting a happy face on it and saying, well, this can be recycled. All you have to do is clean it out and bring it to the store. And then you have to look at what's actually being brought to the store, and, and the potential doesn't meet the reality. So from a, that's sort of like the first direction. Uh, the second thing, again, is how much PCR can you get into the package. And, and frankly, given how hard it is to recycle these materials in, in the terms of generating a significant quantity of them, then the use of PCR is, is, is a really, really smart way to go. 
Um, so you have to deal with, with uh, recyclability. You have to deal with actual uh, use of recycled content as, as the two primary strategies. And then as you sort of move down the curve, um, some of the other things to consider are um, the use of biomaterials, such as biopolyethylene or biopolypropylene. And the one that I like, like least, as you well know, is, is compostability. Um, there's more and more talk about it. There's more and more promotion on compostability. Uh, there, there are a lot of problems with it. Um, uh, the first being that a material that is compostable doesn't mean that your final package is going to be compostable. Um, when you, as a CPG or some packaging user, is told, well, I can provide you with a compostable package, your question is, your question ought to start with define compostability and who's certifying it. And are you certifying exactly what I'm going to be using as my end configuration, or are you certifying the material that you're using? Um, and those are two very, very different things. Uh, you also have to look at the cost-benefit ratio. And you also have to realize that if you're going for circular economy uh, strategies, compostability is not a circular strategy. It's a linear strategy because when you're done, whatever you're creating is, isn't reusable. And frankly, what you're creating is primarily greenhouse gases. Um, so... I'm not a big fan. There are specific applications where it makes sense. Uh, for example, ag films um, would make sense. Certain food service applications where you have almost no choice but to commingle the, the packaging with the actual food waste um, makes a lot of sense. But these are not consumer applications. And, and that's where I get concerned is people messing up the, the recycling stream by either throwing compostable materials in it or believing that a compostable material is simply one you can throw out the window and, you know, it'll, it'll disappear. And by the way, it won't. Well, thank you for those insights. I appreciate that broad stroke with some specifics. Um, I'd like to drill down a little bit. I kind of had tipped you off a little bit that I was going to ask you this. So what I'd like you to do is to sort of engineer what you see as the ideal, sustainable, flexible packaging using currently available materials. Why don't you talk about what the goal would be, what the recipe, and what the ingredients are, uh, so to speak. All right. Well, the goal, and I, sus I define sustainable packaging differently than, than other people because by trying to call it sustainable packaging, we're taking our eye off the ball. And, and what you're really talking about is product protection. And so a sustainable packaging is one that delivers 100% of the value that a consumer is looking for and does it with the least amount of waste. And when I say waste, I'm talking about material waste and, and energy waste. Um, so, uh, and food is a perfect example because the, the greatest waste that packaging can prevent is food waste. So if you said, all right, I can make my perfect package is one that guarantees that that whatever goes into this package ends up going into a consumer's mouth. Okay, that so that's step one. Step two is, all right, now how do I create that with the least amount of waste? And so I would, you know, my looking around and what's available in the marketplace, I'd say there's three types of products that you'd be looking for. And, and I'll mention these by brand, but, but I'm not in any way promoting these brands. It's just what's available. 
Um, so I'd be looking at the recyclability of, say, Dow's innate recyclable polyethylene resins, um, the use of PCR, as in uh, resin produced by Revolution and Nova called Encore, which is a PCR polyethylene resin. And then finally, the renewable resource capability of, of Braskem's I'm Green biopolyethylene resin. So in effect, you're getting polyethylene. Um, it's biopolyethylene. And by the way, there's a value to polyethylene. I'll talk about that in a second. But you've got a resin that's made from renewable resources. It is made from recycled materials, and it is recyclable. So there's your, your perfect solution. And people go, then people say, well, what about PLA or what about this or that? Well, you have to remember something about polyethylene um, and its strength to weight. And there is virtually no other material on earth that can deliver the same amount of strength and, and, and deliver the same amount of, amount of product. You get more product with the least amount of polyethylene than you can get from any other material. So that, that's an incredible advantage. So to, to walk away from that, really, really doesn't make any sense. So <clears throat> think, think of it from that standpoint. The first thing I have to do is, is deliver the product with the least amount of material, and, and polyethylene is a clear winner in that, in that area. And by the way, um, polyethylene came to exist because it was originally a waste product. Um, uh, Nelson, not Nelson Rockefeller, Nelson's dad, whoever the first Rockefeller was, stared out the window of the Humble Oil Refinery in Linden, New Jersey, and he looked at the polyethylene or the ethylene being flared off in his crackers, and he said to one of his engineers, "What is that?" And the guy said, "Ethylene." And uh, Rockefeller said, uh, "It's waste. Figure out what to do with it." So they polymerized it. And that's that's literally how polyethylene came to be was to as a waste preventer. Interesting trivia nugget. Thanks for pointing that out. But also thanks for the discussion about what makes for an ideal uh, film. And before you get off the hot seat, um, as a follow up to that, what do you see as the next level, next generation of flexible packaging sustainability? Well, remember the film, The Graduate? where uh, uh, somebody at a party turned to Dustin Hoffman and said the future is plastics. Um, the new word is cellulosics. Um, if you look at what's going on in Europe, um, there are cellulose films now. Well, cellulose films have always been, been clear uh, or could be clear. And that's a, a primary advantage to them. Um, they are clear. They are, come from a renewable resource. Um, you probably don't know that most biodegradability testing and where, where plastics are tested are tested against cellulose as, as the base. So if, if you have to go in the direction of compostability, whether it's industrial or home, um, cellulose is an ideal choice. The other value to cellulose is it's recyclable because it's, 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 it's lignin, it's wood-based, it's a fiber. So um, there's almost nothing other than a potential price-performance uh, ratio where, where cellulosics don't make some kind of sense. So you, you can even um, foil laminate them without reducing the, the biodegradability of the, the entire package. Uh, 
So if I were in the plastics business today in the in the in the flexible package business, I would be looking at cellulosics um, as a possibility down the road. And 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 I keep telling converters this. You know, they say, well, we're in the plastic packaging business. And I say, well, you need to start thinking about yourself as being in the flexible packaging business and start looking for for other options. Um, And cellulosics aren't going to make sense for everything, of course, but um, they are an interesting addition to plastics. And the value of of cellulosics in many cases is it's a polymer. so it's it's really if you, if you think of plastics as polymers, it's it's a very similar material. Well, who know knew that we'd go back to the future to find something that has staying power? Interestingly enough, my small hometown in Iowa had a Dupont plant there that for decades that was cranking out cellophane. So maybe that'll become more rele- relevant these days. Well, listen, Bob. Thanks again to you and to our audience for listening. You can find out more about Bob's information in the resources below. That's it for this edition of Plastic Possibilities. So long for now.